pride, passion, and pageantry of college football lives here. This is the Paul Feinbaum Show, Hour 3 Podcast. This might be college football, Second half of the show is live. We've had a good one, Michael McCann, early on on the NCAA decision in East Tennessee. We'll get more phone calls right now. And Mike is up next in Kentucky. Hey, Mike. Hey, Paul. Good afternoon. What you doing, Paul? You doing having a good day? We are doing great. Thank you. All right. This is Squirrel. Uh, this is uh, Skeeter from uh, Lancaster, Kentucky. I called you about four years ago about my uh, sister-in-law died. Oh, yes. And I, I do appreciate remember that. you saying some positive about her on the show. But I want to get back to Kentucky basketball, and I want to see all them people I hear from that's down in Kentucky. They ain't dead. And I bet you one thing, Alabama ain't going to get through the SEC tournament. I guarantee you that. No, I think uh, Kentucky, with the win at Auburn uh, and uh, the win Saturday night, uh, has proven to be the most fascinating team that will enter the NCAA tournament here in three weeks. I appreciate that, and I'm surely – uh, I think it was Larry. I can't remember which one said, but Kentucky, Kentucky ain't nothing. We ain't worried about Kentucky. Buddy, you better be worried about Kentucky and basketball. Never underestimate Kentucky basketball. That's all I got to say. Hey, and Paul, it's up and down. That's how you bounce the ball, right? Up and down, up and down. That is correct. I appreciate you, Thank Paul. you, Mike. Uh, great to hear from you. Uh, Dave is up next in Kentucky. Uh, hello, Dave. <laughs> Hey, Paul, love the show. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. Not quite as enthusiastic as the previous caller, but I would like to kind of go back to the other day. Legend was talking about love NATO. Love that man, baby. Love him. Paul, love that man, baby. <laughs> yeah. Love what he's got going on, baby. What I must have loved him Saturday night when we were getting the brakes beat off of him. Yeah, that, and that believe was, me, that, this, that is was not, serious. This, is, this is not a gloating call because – with our next game, the wheels could fall off again. It's the most um, it's the most frustrating team I've ever seen. I think it's probably the most offensively prolific. I've been a Kentucky basketball fan my entire life. This is argu- arguably the most prolific offensive team that I've ever seen at this university, but they just can't rebound and play defense consistently. But I'll say one thing. The SEC tournament should be interested. Wondering what your thoughts are. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, I can't wait. I, I think Kentucky is. Uh, I mean, two weeks ago, I think they were really in a bad spot. Uh, they are now in a great spot. They have momentum at the right time. They have such impressive wins recently, uh, which overshadowed the the losses. So, I mean, I'm I'm feeling good about uh, the Cats again. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Susie is in Georgia. Hello, Susie. Good afternoon, Paul. Nice way to start my week. Hope Thank you're you. doing good. We're doing great. Um, two things I wanted to mention. Uh, I think it was Malcolm that was talking about the Tim Tebow and Macon. Right. The night to shine. Um, yeah, that's worldwide. And he um, he started it in 2015, and I think that was the year I have a, a college friend who's, whose daughter is, is special needs. It's not just for Downs. And it's for all special needs. And... Um, he was there, and she got to dance with him. And I remember the pictures and her, the look on her face. And she goes, every year, it's just absolutely fabulous. And I've got a girlfriend here who's um, grandson in high school. And the football players go and be chaperones 
um, you know, or be partners for some of, of the women going in to dance with them. Now, it's just, it's Tim Tebow's fabulous. Um, hats off to him, certainly. Second of all, did you get anything on the Eli Drinkwitz at the Tennessee uh, um, basketball I've, game? Uh, I've seen a few things on that that I'm uh, pretty sure something happened, yes. Yeah, well, it's sad that he was sitting courtside. Um, according, um, at one point in the first half, he was talking trash to Tennessee players, and this is through um, the announcer, um, Tom Hart. So that's pretty sad, you know, yeah, hearing what, it from what the What I believe field. happened is that he was uh, making fun of the Tennessee's quarterback uh, and the way he played against Missouri. Uh, but I don't, I don't know this for a fact yet, but I've seen various reports, and hopefully – we can get a little more information before we uh, yep. make much more that, out of it. Because it's kind of sad that you would have a coach that would it, demean it, themselves. It would be particularly sad, you're right, that the head coach of a team would be talking trash to young players about something other than what they are currently doing, which was beating his team. Yeah. Plus, did you see where um, – oh, I, was saw, I saw it on first take today – where, um, oh God, now with my age, the the basketball or the base, Jay, Jay the football Billis. player Jay, that has, Jay, the, yeah, has, you're talking, has about the, the you're talking about the Duke situation, yes. No, no, no. I'm talking about oh, Cam um, Newton? the football. He has a football team. Yeah, yeah. Well, hold on. Uh, Cam Newton had a, was, was putting yeah. on a seven-on-seven. Seven, a fight broke out. As best I can yeah. tell, he was trying to break it up. It looked like he was part of it. Absolutely. I don't think he That's was. what they were all saying because yeah. of his qualities and, and his decency. But the kids today lacking the respect for coaches oh. and that. Yeah, they showed that on first take and we're talking about it. And I thought that was pretty sad. Well, I hope you have a great week. Good hearing from Larry. I just love his what's up. Good for you, Larry. Keep your health going, buddy. Thanks, Susie. Appreciate the call. Let's uh, move along. And check in with, with Jim in Chicago. Hey, Jim. Hey, Paul. Great show. Thank Love you. the show. First time caller. Great to have you on. Hey, uh, thank you. Yeah, live in Chicago, originally from Louisville area. Uh, Love the Cats. It's going to be a very interesting uh, uh, SEC tournament. I think uh, we got a really good shot to, uh, to win it. But uh, I was curious, have you seen the new Dados duo with Reed Shepard and Rob Dillingham. Yes. With their uh, new NIL deal. Uh, it is very cool. You think these guys are going to class? I really don't know, Jim. I haven't uh, – <laughs> I have no evidence one way or the other. I'm just kidding you. I, I play college ball myself. It would be nice if I was uh, – When did uh, – uh, When? How long ago did you play and how often did you go to class? Well, it was uh, 96 to 2001. Okay. And, uh, yeah, probably 75% of the time. Yeah, I, I went to school quite a few years ahead of you, and, and I was, I, since I covered the team, I knew all the basketball players. And I was in a, I was in a few classes with them, and uh, I made it more than they did. Let me put it that way. <laughs> right. No, I just wanted to call in. First-time caller, love Thank the you. show. Listen to you just about every day. And uh, I'm just excited about our team this year. Well, I'm glad to hear from you. Thanks, Jim. Yeah, and I, I, I felt proud of, of, of not many things I did in college, but I did help a few basketball players remain eligible. Uh, <laughs> let's uh, check out 
Kurt in Florida. Hello, Kurt. Hey, Paul. How are you doing? Thanks for taking my call today. You're I doing want to great. talk about an epidemic that's going on and with high school recruiting. But the poor kids now, like it, uh, I, I work at a school in Florida that's a state powerhouse. And um, we have kids that aren't getting scholarships now because of the transport portal and free agency. And it's just, really? it's really sad that this is happening to kids. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like the free agency of the transport portal. We're talking lower level schools. Uh, I'm not going to mention any schools, but uh, lower level schools that come in and they they tell a kid they want to sign them and everything, and then the kids get actually getting ready to go to the schools, and they say, you know what, we're going to the transport portal for our guys. And I'm just wondering, outside of the 400 kids that you know, the four and five star kids that get all the money and go to these pro, you know, the big programs, it seems like when they don't make it, they just get recycled back into free agency again somehow. And it's, it's kind of sad that uh, this has happened where, you know, our coach even said he didn't want those, those, uh, that university on our, our campus anymore, recruiting kids. That's amazing. I, I mean, I know that it, it, over the years there have been certain requirements that if you, you, you could leave a school under fairly loose uh, require under fairly loose uh, neighborhood or, or however you know eligibility uh, being being in that area or in that school district but I but I have not heard of this before this is pretty crazy it's just that the school the colleges will not are not taking kids because they're going to the transfer portal instead why wouldn't they want a kid that actually has been to college football for a couple of years instead of a high school kid who actually is a really good player and a good student our kids are really good students these days not like it used to be where you have really, you know, kids taking AP classes, kids are, you know, high GPAs and still struggling to get scholarships because that, of the transport portal. That is interesting. I, I, by the way, Kurt, that's news to me, but I'll, I'll look into that. Thank you very much for the call. Let's get some clarification on all of these issues from Johnny B. Hey, Paul. Good to talk to you today. Thank you. Um, you know, I kind of like a good conspiracy theory every now and then. You know, the two shooters on the grass, you know, something like that. And, right. You know, I... When Saban abruptly left, it just something didn't seem right about that to me. You know, did it, did it feel awkward to you? Well, I mean, we heard just the other day from Brian Kelly, who said he was on a Zoom call with him. Was it that day? Coach and, Loxley too. If you remember, Coach Loxley and Coach Kelly said they were they were talking to him. Yeah, Loxley said the same thing. Point. I mean, that's to, uh, the, anecdotally that's pretty strong. Two coaches. Uh, I mean, I know people, I talked to somebody that was on his staff as a, as, a, as a significant assistant coach who said he didn't know walking in the door that day at the team meeting that he was going to do that. Yeah, so follow me here. Okay. Right after this, the abrupt way that they, you might as well say, presented Eli with a situation, mm-hmm. you do what we say, your, your history anyway, if you play along with the game, you know, we, we're going to feed you out of here. But if you choose not to, it's over. Adios. So I'm thinking, you know, the program was in decline. Uh, you know, in a few fluke plays, they would have been, you know, three or four lost teams. And there's that standard of excellence they kept talking about. And I'm thinking, you know, the line, that last play, I mean, number 77 is out of game. He wasn't even starting. Sign, you know, early Am I here? Do I think I don't want to jump on your call here? But what are you suggesting? 
I'm saying that they approached him just like they did Eli Gold with a, hey, coach. You know, how many times have you ever seen a coach, you know, stay past his welcome call and then the program goes down? We don't have time for that. Uh, Usually when they do that, they're like three and nine. They're not uh, one play away from the national championship game. Well, you know, you had a fluke play at Auburn. You had a, a lucky call against Georgia. And you go for fourth down in the biggest game and a quarterback sneak and your pathetic line gets blown up. Well, you really didn't have much choice center. considering you were down your by center. You were down in overtime. <laughs> what were you supposed to do? Your center, your center has been bad all year. Saban wouldn't have let that happen if he was on top of his game. I'm thinking based on how Eli did. Well, let me, let me offer started. one thing, Johnny, and, and I, I feel like I know more about Eli leaving than I did about Nick Saban. I'll just offer this to you. Inside that athletic department, for many, many months, the word was that this was going to be Eli Gold's last year. I can tell you that I I heard it from people that mattered. It, It wasn't discussed publicly. That was not a surprise. Nick Saban leaving was a surprise. So after the Georgia game, when he comes over there and he puts his arm around him and he tells Coach Saban, I appreciate all you've done for me. Yeah, I, I can smell blood. Yeah, well, John, but, Johnny, you're not really listening here. Uh, EY Gold knew that his time was short. He knew that going back probably nine months, maybe longer. Uh, something went down between EY Gold and the university, and that's why even Greg Byrne today in an interview barely addressed it. He does not want to say what I'm not buying this. Well, I mean, you don't have to buy it and and I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm just telling you things that I picked up. Hey, we're going to clean out a closet down through here and hang a name tag on it. You show up at a few basketball games. We'll give you the graceful exit. You can retire. Or we're going to show you the door. I think he got the same. Well, by the way, uh, uh, Johnny, Johnny, I don't mean to argue, uh, but I will. If Eli Gold, uh, who knew as far back as a year, don't forget, Eli Gold was very sick. And there, there's a lot of things. I mean, he was out of, I, I mean, he was, he was literally MIA for about a year. Uh, nobody, nobody heard anything from him. And, and I have no idea. I mean, all I know about Eli Gold is what he told us on the program and what I've talked to him privately about before all this went down. Uh, but Greg Byrne has not said a word, and he's not of going to say not. Well, because I don't think he wants to. Uh, you want my, you want my the deal. Hey, Johnny, do you want, you want a, Johnny, do you want a conspiracy theory, or do you want my opinion? Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. I mean, I'm not trying to get in the middle of something, which I'm, I'm about to. But I don't believe Greg Byrne has talked about it, because I don't believe Greg Byrne wants to put Eli Gold in an embarrassing situation. Uh, Greg Byrne, in his, in his, he's, the, he, he's, part, he's partners with Learfield Communications. Nobody's really said anything. Uh, something happened, and Eli Gold got on the wrong side of that university. I don't have any doubt about it, and they gave him a graceful way to leave. Uh, had he accepted it, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Uh, we would be talking about his 35 years of, of stellar of stellar performance. Instead, uh, it came out the other day that he's now the voice of some arena team in Nashville. That's not how you're supposed to go out when you're when you're an absolute legend. But that's the way he chose to go out. We'll take a short break, and we're back after this.
This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Is your schedule too packed to see a doctor about your erectile dysfunction? Well, with Hims, now you can get treated for ED without stepping foot outside your door. They're changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatment options such as chewable hard mints, brand name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for up to 95% cheaper. The process is simple and entirely online. Just answer a series of questions and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships to you free. No insurance needed. So what are you waiting for? Join the hundreds of thousands of trusted HIMSS subscribers and get treated. Start your free online visit today at HIMSS.com slash Paul. That's HIMS.com slash Paul for your personalized ED treatment options. HIMSS.com slash Paul. Hardments are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety or effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies on product and subscription plan. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Welcome back. Glad you're with us. And let's check in with Judy in PCB. How are you, Judy? Hey, Paul. How are you today? We're doing great. Thank you. You sound good anyway. <laughs> I hope you had a good weekend after last week. It was kind of rough. And <laughs> Nothing alcohol won't cure. <laughs> okay. Or at least numb it a little bit. Um, I tell you, I, I just have to say to Dwayne, I can't call him handsome because I don't know what he looks like. But uh, <laughs> when he's always talking about you know, I mean, he called you a couple months ago. He was cooking chili. And you said, oh, I love chili, you know. And, you know, he was telling you what he put in it. And then he calls you again and says he's clipping his toenails out in the <laughs> in the yard, you know. And I'm thinking, gross. Didn't need to know that. You know, and he, I mean, he's always just so obnoxious. And then he calls again. He's uh, roasting a pig. And or something to that effect. And I mean, my husband's tired of cabinet the fire department uh, for 35 years, and I know what a pig roast is like. And it's a three day or, ordeal and affair, and it's fun, you know. But Dwayne just seems to be full of hot air, and I can't have him trying to badmouth Alabama anymore or trying to be obnoxious with Larry. I don't appreciate it. And because um, Larry from Shelby is pretty good old guy, I, I think I know he's, he feel that way too. All, almost all the callers do. And anyway, I just had to say that you know I don't know if you're still listening or not, Dwayne, but think a little bit about what you're saying, maybe you know, <laughs> and be bragging about your food so much because I, I feel a little hesitant to eat anything you cook, you know. <laughs> Judy, thank you very, very much. Good to hear from you, and uh, be well. Shane is up next in Tennessee. Hello, Shane. 
What are we listening to? Shane, good afternoon. I'm like old country, like Porter Wagner and uh, Gene Reeves. Uh, Mike is up next in Maine. Hello, Mike. Hey, Paul. How you doing, sir? Doing great. Thank you. I, I was a letterman at the University of Tennessee back in the late 60s, and you, you were talking about athletes not going to class, whatever. Back then, you kind of had to go to class. And I had a teammate who used to dress up like a ninja warrior, black face, whatever. Yeah. And he would go to, into dumpsters up on Ayers Hill and whatever and, and find copies of final exams. And Gibbs Hall used to have a line of people you know, it was, it was, am I proud of it? Not particularly. No. But, but, Tommy but the statute of limitations is up, thank so you it's okay. Thank you for helping me get a B in statistics. Well, that is a great story. Uh, Mike, have I ever told some of the stories? Uh, I'm not going to tell my stories like yours because they might revoke my uh, degree. Thanks for the call. Uh, Chad is up next. Uh, hello, Chad. Hey, how you doing, Paul? We were doing great. Thank you. Hey, uh, yeah, I had a cool story I wanted to tell you. Uh, hopefully I'll make it sound all right. But uh, growing up, uh, I had a cousin that I idolized here in Florence, Alabama, Damon Young, and he played for Bradshaw. And uh, right. amazing running back and uh, linebacker. And he wanted to play at Alabama, but he didn't make it. And he, he went on to Memphis University. He played at Memphis in the mid-'80s to – late 80s and uh they beat alabama one year uh that was pretty tough kind of taking that as an alabama fan but he was my my idol i looked up to him and uh we went to go watch him play all the time and seen him get beat a lot and uh his final game they were playing in the liberty bowl stadium and uh they were playing for a winning record and uh he intercepted a pass and ran it back 65 yards and threw it to me in the end zone oh wow and uh i was a 14 year old kid uh caught it and jumped up and down there wasn't nobody hardly at the game so you know uh but uh my uncle he uh, asked me why i threw it back and i didn't know why they they wanted the ball back so i just threw it back but in the interview my cousin said he threw it to his dad that he was always gonna told him he was gonna run one back and throw it to his dad but i was wearing a poncho so you really couldn't tell but it was it was actually me and uh we were at all the games and it was just one of them situations where you just kind of know there's a God because just a beautiful situation to be a part of. Well, Chad, uh, I saw my first college game in that stadium, so uh, the story really meant a lot to me. Uh, I appreciate you sharing that. Well, thank you, Paul. Thank you very much. Thanks for calling. We'll take a short break. 90 minutes remaining on a Monday afternoon. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? 
It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Welcome back. It was on Friday afternoon when the bombshell from East Tennessee came down. This is a headline earlier. In USA Today, NCAA President Charlie Breaker addresses future of federal legislation. What's interesting about our next guest is uh, he was with a select group of reporters in Washington with Charlie Baker when that news broke. Uh, Steve Burke was always great to have him on, just uh, one of the preeminent reporters uh, on the college sports scene. Steve, thank you for being with us as always. Uh, Take us back to Friday afternoon. We were trying to figure this story out uh, as it was breaking, but uh, you had a slightly different view of it all. Good afternoon. Yeah, first of all, as always, thanks a lot for the kind words and thanks for having me on. Um, Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, we were in a conference room in an office building downtown in uh, downtown D.C. when uh, I got a text message from Adam Sparks, who covers Tennessee, covers Tennessee for the uh, for the Tennessee and the Knoxville uh, New Sentinel. And Adam, you know, quickly texted me that the uh, injunction, you know, the the preliminary injunction had uh, had been granted. And so I leaned over and showed (laughs) showed my phone uh, to Charlie Baker and uh, his uh, one of one of his top staff people uh, who were there and. Uh, so, yeah, that's sort of how they got to find out about it. Um, uh, and, you know, I mean, Steve, I'm really interested because knowing uh, the apparatus around the NCAA president, uh, uh, what, what did they do? Because uh, I'm sure they didn't want him to talk about it until they had a chance to come up with one of their uh, uh, statements. No, I mean, and, and he said straight away, hey, look, you know, I, I, I can't talk. You know, I, I, have, I don't have a comment on this. You know, we just got this. And so, I mean, you know, he was, you know, he didn't dodge it or just like pretend it didn't happen. I mean, he just said, you know, I, I can't talk about it here right now. Um, and and as, you, as you know, I mean, they ended up putting out a, a statement on Friday night that was pretty general in, in nature. Um, and, you know, I, it, how they go about this. I mean, they may still be sort of studying and trying to decide what their options are here. Steve, uh, we'll come back to that in a minute, but tell us more, uh, at least what you can. Uh, I know you wrote about it earlier, but uh, this, this sit down with Charlie Baker. These things don't happen very often. What's going on here? I mean, I, I think that, you know, they were trying to, you know, introduce him to a number of reporters who don't normally on a day to day basis or on a regular basis cover the NCAA. So there were some folks who were based in D.C. Um, who are not you know, part of the usual crowd of people who cover the association. Um, I think they were looking to sort of introduce uh, Charlie Baker to those folks and let him sort of talk about his uh, sort of his background and so on um, for people who are somewhat a little less familiar with, with him. But, you know, there were some others, other others of us who are, you know, who are sort of regulars on it. And, you know, so we got to ask some, you know, some reasonably 
pointed questions about stuff. But and, and a lot of the answers were things that, you know, were, uh, you know, some of the stuff that he's talked about before. But there were a few few new things and a few sort of few new insights that he had there. But I think that's sort of what they were aiming at doing uh, in being in Washington. Plus, he was uh, going to be in D.C. anyway to speak to the National Governors Association. So they sort of, you know, combined combined these two things. Steve, most people that we speak with praise him. I, th- I don't think it's hard being praised compared to Mark Emmert, but I am curious because I've seen him speak. Uh, I, I've, I've read the interview that you did with him and others have done with him, but is it just simply that he is blocked in by by the by the nature of the NCAA because he, he doesn't I mean, other than his speech in Vegas a couple of weeks ago that stirred up a lot of things he what do you think he is saying and doing that is going to move the needle before it's too late I'm not sure how much he can do I mean I you know beyond beyond being able to get you know, influence people in Congress and in the administration to pass a law that you know overturns a lot of what's going on, uh, there's not there's not a lot that I think he can do. Um, you know, I mean, they're obviously now playing with you know they're they're, they're having they have a very tough time in court. Uh, this is not just Claudia Wilkin now, uh, you know, on a district court level who are who is finding in favor of athletes and plaintiffs against the NCAA. Um, and, you know, this is becoming a, a really significant problem for them. They're not doing, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't appear that they are uh, headed towards, a, you know, an, an outcome that they're going to like in the NLRB action involving USC uh, and the PAC-12. Um, you know, they already lost with the NLRB action where the NLRB, you know, allowed the, the vote, the union vote to go forward for the Dartmouth basketball team. Um, and so, you know, it's. I think he's in a really tough spot. Steve, he mentioned in the conversation you were with about Congress. This is not a new song and dance. It's been going on for, for a long time. In fact, most of the top people in the sport were in Washington, D.C. last July. But nobody that we speak with, and again, I want your thoughts, think anything's going to happen, at least right now. We, you, you know what's going on in Washington. We all do. Not much. So what, what is, what is, how is he hoping to change this dynamic? Uh, and, and how long do you think it's going to take? Well, the way he put it, and he put it through, you know, he talked about it through the lens of his experience as the governor of Massachusetts, that, you know, if you put out a proposal that's reasonably complicated, uh, that, you know, you're not going to get it on the first go-round and maybe not even on the second go-round uh, in you know, within within a legislative body. So, I mean, you know, my impression of that is that they're sort of at least he's in it for the long haul and sort of keep, you know, sort of keep banging on the door on Capitol Hill in the hopes of getting what they're looking for. And what they, you know, desperately want is a is a form of antitrust protection. And he talks about how they're looking for something that's very, very narrow, but they're looking for antitrust protection that will allow them to make rules changes uh, without the threat of getting sued, that's you know that's going to be a tricky needle to thread. I mean, they're also looking for sort of a special sort of empl- quote unquote employment status uh, for athletes that would allow them, that would allow the schools to make deals with 
with the athletes without them being becoming employees of the schools in a traditional sense. And, you know, again, these are really tricky things to try to thread through, uh, you know, a really divided Congress and having to find 60 senators who are going to agree on it. Steve, and I realize I'm asking you, you're, you're an outstanding reporter and investigative reporter, and I'm asking you to give political hot takes here, but, but just sitting there with him, listening to him, he's, he's very smooth, he's polished, you, you don't get to where he has gotten without all of those. Uh, how would you characterize his patience at this point in time? I think he's, I think he's sort of playing a longer game. I mean, the, the, the problem or the question is, is like, you know, will he be able, will the NCAA, will the schools, will conference commissioners be able to convince enough members of Congress to do something that they, on their behalf, essentially, uh, before, you know, enough other things start happening in the courts and in other places that really put them in a much, much tougher position. And, you know, I mean, the process some of the processes of these legal cases while they're happening, you know, in real time, I mean, they also could stretch out uh, for years. I mean, these, these NLRB actions can be appealed to the, you know, to the full national labor relations board. They can then be appealed to uh, federal courts and so on. So, I mean, this stuff is going to, you know, they have, they have the ability to stretch this out for quite a while. Um, you know, the problem as to go back to where we started with the Tennessee case is that right now the judge issued this preliminary injunction. And as a result of that, there are basically no rules. And, uh, you know, that and so unless they can get a stay of that injunction, that's going to be in place until that case goes to trial. Steve Berkowitz, who uh, gives us great insight on what happened the other day and where intercollegiate athletics is heading. Many, many thanks, Steve. It's always great to uh, have you on. Steve Berkowitz, uh, an investigative reporter from USA Today. As we head to the break, more to come, more of your phone calls right after this. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. David is up next from Tennessee. Hello, David. Hey, Paul. Long time caller. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Long time listener. Second time caller. Well, thank you. Um, you were... You were going to school at UT when Bernard King came through there, weren't you? Yes, I sure was. Well, you can remember that that game face that he got on, right? Oh, he was Old amazing. Brooklyn guy from Brooklyn. Uh, one of, one of well, the, great, got one of the great players one. I've ever seen. Yeah, I think he's the greatest player in SEC history with all due respect to Pistol Pete. But um, he, um, they got another one that's up there right now, and that's Toby Awaka from Brooklyn. Yeah, right. And there was a few few games ago. I think it was against, might have been against Texas A&M on the road, when 
uh, a brawl almost broke out, and uh, he got that Brooklyn look on his face. But those New York guys, you don't want to mess with them, do you? No, no. New York's a little different place. And I was going to give you the, the exactly what happened in that. Uh, yeah, uh, it came, it's Eli come up a couple Green. of times, and I and I've heard varying stories. So I'm I will I want to know what happened. Tennessee at Missouri, pick it up. Okay, Eli Drinkwitz was heckling Zakai Ziegler, who was getting ready to inbound the ball. And you you were right about exactly what he said to him. You throw the ball away, just like your quarterback. Now, 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 David, before you go on, because what you, what you just got through telling me is, is incredible, what is the source of your uh, information? Basilio. Okay. For what that's worth. <laughs> but um, anyway, supposedly ZZ's reply to Drinkwitz was, I don't even know who you are, you four-eyed fat A-double-S. Oh, my goodness. I wish I had heard that. I wish there was a tape of that. <laughs> That's pretty cool, isn't it? And you know ZZ's from uh, from up there. Oh yeah, in, no, I know uh, ZZ. In New York uh, that, that is. Uh, I mean, first of all, I don't know exactly what happened. Uh, that's a pretty pretty good response. I mean, the idea that if it's true that Drinkwitz was heckling someone about the Tennessee quarterback—that's pretty low down, isn't it? If it's true, right. All right, check around on that. Yeah, I, I, John, I, I know exactly. What, I, I am going to check that out with the source. Uh, thanks so much for the call. Uh, John, do you know anything about uh, Drinkwitz uh, harassing a Tennessee player? Well, Paul, I can say right now <clears throat> to David and to you is I'm not surprised. I, I believe that that happened. Okay. And you're a Missouri but, fan. Uh, I'm a Missouri fan, but... I'm not surprised that uh, Coach Drink would say something like that. You know, sometimes, even though I'm a big Missouri fan, you know, sometimes Coach Drink gets in trouble for shooting his mouth off. You're right. Okay. And that's not the reason I called up, Paul. Paul, this is a serious conversation tonight, and I'm just going to tell you, Paul, right now that I think your show is going to have to call Saul. And uh, do you know Saul? Yeah, I know. You ever watch? Yeah, I know you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Better call Saul. And Paul, all comes back to my call. I called last week. I think it was Thursday. I called about indiscretions going on with your show and callers, and I really didn't get a clear answer from you about that. No, no, John, you did get it. You did get a clear. No, 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 you did get a clear answer from me. What you said was a total misrepresentation. Well, no, no, it's not, Paul. And I can tell you, I did some. I I think I might know a little bit more about what happens here than you do, sitting there in in a basement in St. Louis. (laughs) I can tell you right now, young man. I I checked out sources. Oh, and uh, okay, so you're going. So, John, you have better sources about what happens behind the scenes on this show than we do here. Yes, I do because okay. I talk to the people that are calling into the show. Oh, okay. And would you like to name your sources? Well, I'm going to talk about an individual here that I've been having dialogue with. And I'm okay, not going to well, tell you exactly. Well, go ahead. We don't have a lot of time. I okay. don't want, I don't want to miss you- this. Okay, well, here's the deal. 
Do you remember Charles Colson? Yeah, of course I do. White House. Uh, Chuck. Yeah, Chuck Colson. He got he got busted. Chuck Colson. Okay, I've he been did the having dirty tricks. Now he's an evangelist, or he was an evangelist. In the plumbers. Yeah. And I've been having dialogue with Chuck on Facebook, and he told me exactly the path I was going down, Paul, was the right path to go down and try to talk to people who call into your show. And it's apparent that there are people and there are money By the trails. way, Charles Colson died in 2012. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show Podcast.